This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry. Well, spit take uh, 2.0 went uh, <laughs> went how we expected it, right? Two fights. Uh, ultimately a Caps win, which is, uh, I don't want to say, I mean, you look at last game, the Ducks lost 5-2, so it was a bit better in this one, but uh, we expected some redemption to be had, specifically between Eric Branson uh, and Garnet Hathaway, and it uh, came to fruition. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I don't think we really got our money's worth on it yet. Yet um, no. The refs and Lightning had a very uh, uh, special job it seems like in that game to make sure that didn't happen yeah but uh what this is the last time they play right so this was uh this is all we're gonna get at least for this year and i, I just, yeah, at least yeah for this year carries on till next year i would think so i think even if brands is not a duck next year next time these teams come up a pathways on there he's i just feel like a brunson guy everything he wanted he wanted you know i think the nhl's hoping to hey make sure this gets out of here without really the big incidents where the bigger runs in you know just pummels hathaway till tomorrow uh you know just get through this game and then maybe a year goes by and everyone kind of forgets a little bit but um i don't think a brunson's gonna forget and uh yeah i know i don't think he really got the retribution he was looking for i think he got what one or two punches in maybe out of two fights two fights I mean, yeah i mean both of these guys i I wouldn't say that both of these guys are locks to be on either of their teams next year. Maybe a little bit more for Hathaway. I'm not sure what his contract situation is like with the Caps, but it is such a weird situation, like a guy spitting on somebody else that you feel like it does have the legs that it could carry over into another another season with different teams. Um, but the other fight we had in that game, the the better fight, I guess you could say, between Delorier and uh, Radko Gudis, was because of Radical Gudis' hit on Nick Ritchie that injured him and ended up taking him out of the game and potentially long-term for the Ducks. Let's start with the hit. Uh, clean or dirty? What did you think? Kind of that borderline. Um, just a, a little little late, but not not enough that, it, you know, in my opinion, it, it rose to anything suspendable or... Um, you know, a fine to be levied out. It was kind of in that, that gray area, and I think it just kind of caught Richie not quite prepared for the hit. And, uh, you know, Gudis is a, a big boy, uh, low center of gravity. So that hit was, you know, 
right in the right spot at the right time. You know, like I said, about the only thing you could maybe find wrong with it. It was, it was maybe a little bit late, but, you know, I, I don't know. It felt, it felt like it was a hockey play. He was kind of finishing his check. Richie just had the puck um, and was kind of skating away without really looking at, you know, who was coming at him. Yeah, let's go to the fight because this was – this is why Nick Deloria is in the team. Yeah. And uh, he absolutely pummels Radical Gudis. And Radical Gudis is a tough guy. I've never yeah. really seen him fight too often to kind of gauge if he's a, a good fighter. But we know Nick Delore is a good fighter. We've seen him fight a couple times this season, and, and he's definitely more than handled himself. But uh, some anger in this one, and uh, Deloria got him in that right position and just started laying <laughs> the haymakers in this one. And uh, clear winner. Like most fights, you, you sometimes it's hard to determine if you get a clear winner. Uh, Deloria clearly won this one, and then he wanted to take on Jakob Vrana. Uh, before he even got to the penalty box after that. Yeah, I'm not sure what that was about, uh, but that's that's what gave him uh, an extra 10 on top of it and sent him uh, packing for a little bit. So I'm not sure why he was going after it. it you know, either Verona said something or, I don't know, gave him a look or something as he was passing by. But, uh, yeah, as far as the, the Gudis and his fighting, I mean, he's a big guy and he doesn't, you know, he does a lot of hits. He usually has to answer for it. At least he does. Um, you know, if he kind of plays that style, sometimes they'll play that style and then they never really kind of look for the physical stuff. But yeah. every time they he fights the Ducks, he gets he gets annoyed, whether it's a Superman punch by BX a few years ago when he was on Philly or this one. He just, uh, whenever he fights the Ducks, he doesn't look good. Um, and I'm glad we have uh, Deloria on there, especially with how good the fourth line is playing, uh, to be able to have that guy when we don't have a Josh Manson or you know when Nick Ritchie is out or we don't want him to be this guy. Um, that's kind of why we have Deloria in there. Yeah, and and like let's be honest, Deloria still is kind of an old school uh, type hockey player where you know other than fighting, he doesn't bring a, bring a whole lot to the game. He does bring physicality, and I, I can't complain with what he's brought to the team this year. The, the ad in general is still you know a questioning one on why why did the ducks bring him in but he seems to have found a home with Grant and Rowney but guys like Gudis is you know people the, the I guess the sentiment around the league not just ducks fans in general where they were pretty happy that Nick Deloy just pummeled Radko Gudis because he has this <laughs> reputation for being a dirty player I don't think necessarily the hit on Nick Ritchie was dirty but when you get a player like Gudis involved there's always that debate and that question mark right because he has that history of dirty hits late hits headshots in the past yeah exactly I mean you, you kind of if your reputation precedes you on some hits then you'll maybe kind of question uh, you know whether or not is he touting that line again like I said I mean <clears throat> he's it, it, it didn't come it didn't look to me like it was out of that way because he's on my radar too with things like that uh but it just it didn't look like it was intentional didn't look like it was really late didn't look like he was aiming to injure him it was just it was, it was a hit and you know maybe a fraction later than most hits but yeah. he's also slow <laughs> so that that could also <laughs> be a factor in how late he was on it but <clears throat> you know i just i didn't feel like there was intent there and it didn't it just maybe a little bit late so yeah and then we got uh, half redemption, like you said, uh, between uh, Eric Branson and Garnet Hathaway. They tried to fight earlier in the game, and the refs ended up breaking it up. 
And then uh, they end up getting a fight. I think it was the third period. They end up fighting, kind of, where Goodbranson lands a couple punches. Hathaway kind of turtles up a bit and then falls to the ice, and, and that's it. I mean, obviously, we, we wanted to see a bit more from that. This was the fight you kind of expected going into this game. Um, they tried to get it out of the way early, but the, it ended up having to be a third period thing. What did you think about the refs trying to break that up? I didn't like it. I mean, I, I, I wasn't... I wasn't as upset as Brian Hayward was. <laughs> if you caught the uh, the uh, broadcast, he was he was just lamenting the fact that uh, all the the linesmen get in there. He goes, "Well, well, I had fighting it all. Just throw it out." He was he was just getting pissy about it, which you know I, I can get understand because it was like that guy should have had to answer for it. And at that point, you know, going in, he knew he was going to have to answer to it, and just. Let that one fight happen, you know, stand up there, maybe take a hit or two and then turn it like he did in the second one. At least he gets it out of the way. Once the linesman go in to to overly protect him, that's when everyone starts to get a little pissed off. And it's like, what are you doing? You don't do this in other fights. And now you're doing it, you know, right here. And I think we got an extra penalty on that first the first fight, too. So it was just you know, it, it just didn't make sense to me. I, I wish that they kind of just let that one fight, because they let that one fight go, then it's kind of, all right, he answered for it. You know, he maybe jump in a little bit earlier if he's really getting pummeled. But, uh, you know, you, you kind of do a disservice, and you really kind of get guys more pissed off, and eventually that, you know, it becomes a bigger thing than it should have been. And that's what kind of happened. Then they kind of keep looking for it, you know, and they want it a little bit more, and that's when people maybe start getting reckless. Yeah, My I mean, we've we've seen this way too many times, and it's, it's been an issue not just this year, but for all teams over the last few years, where the, the refs are, are kind of more eager to break up some of these fights, especially when they're stemming from an incident in a previous game. That's where you almost see, like, you mentioned this to me before we started the show, but with a league or the commissioner or somebody goes up to, to the refs in this game and says, hey, like, you know, you, we all know this happened last game. Likely, there's going to be some try to to you know retaliate or to or revenge or whatever it is. Let's stop it before it happens. And and you kind of feel like that that's kind of a thing, or at least that happens behind the scenes because on these plays where where guys get injured or there's an incident like that or or something, the next game you know they're going to fight. The refs know they're going to fight, and there's an attempt to try and squash that before it even happens. Yeah, it's like they're on high alert. I mean, the league is going to talk to their refs and their linesmen and give them a little bit of notes. Uh, you know, hey, this is you know probably a possibility, so be aware of it. Try and prevent it. Um, which is kind of their job is to kind of pre- prevent it from escalating. Um, but at the same time, you can tell when game one uh, between them was happening, the, the, the linesmen and refs really weren't trying to prevent anything but game two they were there and on top of it and just in there i mean they're they're supposed to break up those fights but it kind of is just it's never really there and you know when all of a sudden it's obviously there and it's a reason for it that's when you kind of go like all right so so who's who's uh really paying attention to this game all of a sudden so yeah sometimes it's better to just let those things happen like it it didn't boil over in this game but if you don't let it happen there isn't that feeling of oh you know this is done this is finished and redemption is complete there, there isn't that feeling and sometimes that ends up making the game more physical and, and there's there's more dirty players or whatever you want to call it like that can happen because these guys haven't got that that kind of finished feeling that whatever happened in the previous game is now done you know we finished it here we fought it's over 
And, no. you know, I don't want to say you could see that in this game because it, it, maybe it's not the best example uh, of a game where, where that would happen. But you, you can kind of see it in the fact that they did fight in the third period. They were looking for that final fight to say, hey, you know, we this happened last game. We weren't cool with it. We're going to finish it here. And uh, they still, they, I mean, I guess they got it, but not really, right? Like that final third period fight still wasn't great. And the refs did kind of step in a little bit too early on that one. Yeah, if that was the fight the first time they they got together, that probably squashes it then and there. But the but the fact that yeah, the linesman jumped in, you could see Brunson was pissed off, and and even Hathaway did himself a little bit more of a disservice because you know he waited till the linesman got in, and then all of a sudden he threw his gloves and then tried to come over the top of the the linesman. Yeah. It's like, dude. You you already are low rung uh, as far as as far as respect goes. Waiting for a linesman before you start dropping the gloves and fighting, you just you're burying yourself even further, and it just makes people want to really fight you at that point. So, yeah, um, yeah it, it doesn't feel like it's quite squashed, but I think um, the NHL's banking on the fact that you know, hey, they don't see each other for the rest of this year, and you know, if a year passes, maybe cooler heads prevail, and uh, we avoid an incident where fighting looks bad in the NHL or something like that. Yep, I mean, likely it won't be as bad if they meet again next season or seasons beyond. But uh, you always kind of Stanley have to Cup final, guys. Stanley Cup uh, final, right? Yeah. yeah. If if yeah. the Ducks somehow, I mean, the Caps making the Stanley Cup final isn't out of the question. Yep. The Ducks making the Stanley Cup final and Eric Brunson still being a part of that team, and I guess the same thing goes for Garnet Hathaway still being a part of the yeah. uh, the Capitals' regular roster heading into the playoffs. That would be. Uh, <laughs> That would be something to behold, maybe. Maybe. So there's yeah. a chance. There's a chance. Yeah, that, but uh, but at that point, it's the Stanley Cup Finals. No one's no one's worried about uh, payback at that point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, let's get into some of the other regular news from this game. Uh, Comtois and Mahura were called up earlier before this game. They were both scratched for this one. And uh, John Gibson uh, dealing with an illness, he was scratched. So Anthony Stolarz was up for this game, but just simply to back up for, uh, for Ryan Miller. Uh, interesting decision, I guess, to scratch Comtois and Mahura. Uh, I mean, bringing Comtois up, you would assume it was he was going to jump in right for Max Jones and play. Um, maybe because of the physical nature they expected for this game, they just wanted to leave him out, and, and maybe he'll be in today. Obviously, we're recording this before uh, the Sunday's game against Winnipeg, so maybe he is in today, and, and this is all for naught, and same with Josh Mahura. But uh, interesting to call them up and then not play them. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm guessing it's a little bit better, my theory on it, if they didn't play them, it was, hey, let's get you up here, watch, you know, this game, and we got to get on a flight, fly on Saturday, play on Sunday uh, in Winnipeg, and maybe looking for fresher legs, you know, just yeah. someone you can plug into the lineup on this little mini road trip, because I think they go to Detroit after, I think after so, Winnipeg? Yeah. So, so it's a little bit of a, a traveling thing, and maybe you know you, you give another player a rest here or there, and uh, you know put him in. So, whether or not he played that game, you know, I don't think it was a, good, a game breaker. Whether or not he's in there, um, so and now with Richie possibly injured, kind of kind of works out time. anyway. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, likely he would have checked into this game no matter what, but now with Nick Ritchie out, that roster spot's been opened up and, and Comtois. I mean, honestly, he he kind of slots right in where Ritchie was on, on a line with Henrik and, and Kasha, if that line is still together. Because at one point, and what I guess turned out to be the best line of the game, is uh, Nick, or not Nick Ritchie, Adam Henrik and Ryan Getzlaff were skating together. 
Uh, and they were on the ice for both of the goals that the Ducks scored in this game. I believe it was Adam Henrique, uh, Ryan Getzlaff, and Ricard Raquel for one. And then the first goal, uh, Troy Terry was out there. I think uh, it wasn't a, a makeshift line that had set up. I think it was actually just like the end of a change, and one guy didn't come off, so Troy yeah. Terry was still out there because they weren't together as a, as a trio after that. But I think the interesting thing is the duo of uh, Adam Henrique and, and Ryan Getzlaff is something we haven't seen um, I'm not even sure, honestly, who was on the wing at that point. I think it was Adam Henrique, but then after the faceoff, I think Henrique shifted to center and Getzlav shifted to the wing. So it was kind of like a rotating uh, between left uh, left wing and center for the two of them. Will we see that today? Like that is that's something. It's it's kind of hard to start the game with that because you kind of limit yourself at center, but it worked, right? Yeah, um, yeah, it'd be interesting because usually when you're you're center, you have more of that defensive responsibility. So I think it, it maybe freed up Getzloff a little bit. But I mean, if you're planning on putting your your top two or top two of three centers on one line, everything behind it kind of takes a shift. So you know, Sam Steele becomes second line center, and then there's Grant. And Raquel, possibly, if you want to put him somewhere around in there, because he did play center, but you'd rather have him on the wing versus that. So I think they try to keep some of that center depth. Uh, I think it was more out of necessity because Delorier was out for a while. Uh, he got that 10-minute misconduct. And then uh, with Richie out as well, it was kind of line juggling. And, hey, it worked. So, you know, if, if push comes to shove or there's an injury or maybe if, you know, you're looking for a little bit more punch on offense, then maybe you throw Henrique at center and, like, gets off be a little bit more freewheeling on the wing. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a, it's definitely an interesting option they can kind of roll into. And I think the Nick Ritchie injury um, sort of throws a wrench in things a little bit because of how well he was working before this <coughs> point with, uh, with Henrique and Kasha. And, and honestly, that might have been Adam Henrique double shifting because – uh, Nick Ritchie was out during that game. Uh, that could also be a re- realistic option, right? Is uh, Adam Henrique was still playing most of that game with Andre Kasha uh, and and on different lines, so that becomes double shifting either for Henrique or double shifting for Getzlaff at that point. And, and it could have been both of them because Adam Henrique was still with Kasha despite Ritchie going out. And it was Getzlaff who was coming to that line. So maybe we see it mid game. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think based off of what uh, two periods of what we saw it. Uh, it's it was scramble mode. <laughs> yeah, it's a big enough sample size for Dallas Higgins to say, hey, let's let's put that together long term. And then you kind of, uh, your center depth after that becomes, I guess, Getzlaff, Steele, Grant, and then whoever else you want to throw at center at that point. The Ducks don't have too many options. So likely it's, uh, you know, maybe it becomes this thing if the Ducks are, or need a goal, if they're trailing, you throw that together and you see if it works again. Uh, not a bad thing to, to try and do that, especially the way Getzlav and Henrika played this year. They've been two of the Ducks' best players. So, Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I'd say maybe try them out on a power play first, see if uh, there's some more chemistry there other than just, you know, the period and a half that they were kind of together. So, yeah, yeah like I said, it was it worked out nice. Got a couple of goals, kept the game interesting. But uh, ultimately, I think it it's too much of a detriment to our center depth because it's just not much if you're going to put three of your top uh, centers on two lines, then what do we do in the bottom two? Yeah. Last comments we have for this game uh, has nothing to do with the game or the player, anything that happened <laughs> in the game. But uh, John Allers and Brian wow. Hayward, uh, they got caught uh, off camera, uh, still mic'd up. Uh, sometimes <laughs> hot this mics, happens. Hot so, like, mics. This, has happened, this has happened more times than, than 
than just this. Like I remember this happening a couple times last season, but yeah. generally they didn't say anything uh, too crazy. And I guess this isn't crazy in general, but they were basically saying that, uh, or I think Ailers would say that it's time to go gong show. And uh, and Hayward and and uh, Allers had kind of said that the Ducks don't have the team for this, especially with Richie not in the lineup anymore. And uh, I I tend to agree with them a bit. I mean, it, it did go wrong. Show. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're they're not wrong. The Ducks don't have that team to go gong show. I don't think really any team in the league has a team that can kind of just start brawling it out anymore. It's kind of shifted to a, a more skill based league. But the Ducks yeah. do have some tough guys, and we did see Delorier fight Gudis and. You know, I think that was after the the initial. I think those comments were made, and then the, the, the uh, Deloria and Gudis fight happened after that. So they do have those guys, right? Like Manson yeah. in the lineup when he's in the lineup. Deloria, Good Branson, like these be. are all Richie. Like these are all guys who can fight. Getzlaff sometimes too, right? So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The only thing is, like, I understand what the gong what gong show is. Like, I mean, I know it's like, hey, let's just go nuts and you know fight, and we need to really kind of fight around. But I, I don't get. What is the gong show yeah, <laughs> exactly? Know. Okay, I didn't know if you knew, and I was a little bit out. But I think it's I a like old, older, timey reference. Yeah, uh, like I know I, that there I, was a gong show, but I don't know how it results in fighting. I just don't quite make the connection. But I under, I know what it means, other than uh, just that they want to fight. But I didn't. I think it like, means something different to everybody. So maybe it means something uh, different to allers in general. I don't know, and like, it's allers. Uh, so allers. Yeah. I mean, it could be anything. Yeah, <laughs> it's basically, it's just like, let's turn this game into a shit show and just start brawling with these guys yeah. the, and i mean i guess oh, maybe that's right it maybe, maybe maybe it was an s show and yeah. uh an actual tv show that was crap and he goes well <laughs> let's just make this a crap show all right let's uh move on for this game ducks did lose 3-2 but they played a, a pretty good game uh against one of the best teams in the league so you can take some pauses out of that and hopefully move into to today's game against winnipeg but uh we had sam carrick recalled from san diego for being the i guess the leading goal scorer down there and if you look at maybe the other guys who didn't get called up over him and sherwood and sprung dallas Aikens has a lot more familiarity and experience with sam carrick and knows what he can bring to the table whether he checks in for this game or not uh, we'll have to see because i would assume come to slots in for richie and then it's either sam carrick in for Nick Deloria if they don't want to play him or something like that. So so Carrick could just be on the bench here. But I think it's a bit more uh, a familiarity for, for Dallas Aikens knowing what he's going to get from a player like Sam Carrick if he does have to play him tonight. Yeah, you know, I'd, uh, I always want to give uh, Kiefer Sherwood another chance just because I, I like that style. So if you're going to go fourth liner, I'd rather have him out there because uh, uh, he's tenacious. Uh, Carrick, I mean, the Ducks need goals. Um, basically, at any time of the season, they they need goals. Yeah. So uh, if if that guy's producing, uh, you give him the chance to to come up and you know hopefully crack in the lineup. A good test might be more against Detroit, uh, and you know one where we don't have to necessarily be as physical. It's the worst team in the NHL. Maybe throw him in there and you know. See if we can't get something going and uh, spark other people. So when you had a little bit of that confidence going and uh, you can maybe play the uh, what would be the equivalent of the best AHL team playing in the NHL, maybe you can uh, see where you stand against that. Yeah, I, I don't mind Sam Carrick. I've never hated his game when he's come up. He is pretty much a, a fourth-line fringe-type player. Uh, but he has 10 goals, 16 points in 18 games for San Diego. He's always been a productive player for the goals. Uh, so when he comes up, he always plays hard and, and he kind of plays with an edge. So I, I think that works against whether it is against Winnipeg or against Detroit. I think he can be a valuable piece. And 
You know, it depends on obviously who they're taking out. If you're taking out a top six player at that point, then obviously not. But if you're taking out Rowney or Grant or, or Deloria to give them either a rest or just scratch them for a game, I, I think it's more of a like for like kind of swap out there. So I'm not too upset. Just just interesting that you know Sherwood and Sprong didn't get the club because they're not you know they're arguably playing just as good. And I think, you know, at Ducks fans, if you had to give a pick, I think Sherwood and Sprong would probably be near the top of the list while Carrick down uh, probably in third there. But, um, yeah, I mean, maybe it is just a case of Dallas Aikens knowing a bit more about Sam Carrick. Obviously spent some time with Kiefer Sherwood last year when Sherwood was in the AHL. Not so much with Daniel Sprong, mm-hmm. but maybe we'll see these guys at some point. Yeah, I think he kind of takes it on the advice too. Uh, I think it works real closely with um... – who is it who took over the coaching? I want to say Johnson, Eric Johnson, uh, Kevin Denier, Kevin. Kev- Kevin. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was it. Was like I knew the name, former NHL player. Um, so so maybe you know they're communicating. He's like, hey, you know who's who's doing good? We're going on this road trip. We got Richie. You know, at that point, Richie wasn't out, but we got a road trip coming up. So you know, who who deserves a shot? And yeah. This guy works really really hard at both ends. Yada yada yada. He could probably help you out. Or, damn it, I need Sherwood and Sprong. Don't take him from me. <laughs> yeah, it, it could be as simple as that. Um, other roster transaction, Anthony Stoller sent down. Good news uh, in terms of John Gibson. Not sure if he's going to go today, uh, but at least he's healthy enough to be active on the roster, whether it's a backup or a starter today. So I guess the illness is either almost behind him or completely behind him, so it is nice that he's coming back. Luckily, it's not an injury, right? It's just a, yeah. it's just an illness, so it's nothing uh, too severe, and, and Stolarz didn't uh, didn't actually have to play, and it's obviously big for San Diego for, for Stolarz to get sent back uh, down there so he can play on a regular basis. Uh, but Jakob Larson, who had gotten sent down before, has looked pretty good for the goals. He has a golden assist in two games. He scored the OT winner. For San Diego, I believe, last night or the other night. So hopefully uh, he'll gain some confidence down there and uh, be back with the Ducks soon. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, like a whole confidence. Same thing with Troy Terry going down last year. Um, you just, you know, hope I hope he gets that, that momentum, that confidence, and uh, bring it back a little bit better player. Do you think he has a long-term future with the Ducks? I mean, there's always been talk about the potential of Jakob Larson, former first-round pick. What what is he actually going to fulfill that potential and kind of raise his ceiling a little bit? Do you think he has a long term future as like a consistent player who can play seventy to eighty games for the Ducks, or is that kind of beyond him? Is he more of a role guy? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm thinking more of a role player. Um, he hasn't, you know. Crack the lineup. It's like a name I feel like I've been hearing for five or six years uh, within the organization. Oh, we got this kid coming up. Oh, you know, if he just makes that next step. Oh, he's really close. Oh, he'll 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 be making it. And it's just it keeps kind of getting pushed back and back. And um, you know, it's it's not to say that uh, it is a bad player. He can't move in there, but he's he's in my opinion shaping up more as a fifth or sixth defenseman, so that we don't have to go out and get some, or it becomes more of a depth defenseman injuries gets called up but i don't really see him cracking top four um although the number four spot's still kind of open because the the you know the uh, jury's still out on on Gooley if he can solidify that spot uh, with camp valor so there's potential to move up but it's you know it's it's not as big as what he originally was touted at as, as his potential so you know just keep keep working on it and keep getting experience and hopefully you know 
you start cracking the lineup. But I, I, my thought is that you know he's he's more depth. Yeah, we're we're getting to that point where uh, he almost is what he is, right? There, yeah. there obviously is some room for for him to have a breakout and improve. But he was touted as kind of being a Hampus Lindholm light when he was drafted, and you know, reliable, typical you know, Swedish two way defenseman yeah. who can make the first pass and, and is uh, very reliable defensively, which hasn't translated fully to the NHL because Larson is still making mistakes here or there. This his skating isn't as great, I think, as, as people expected. Uh, and, and the offense uh, was was the issue out of the draft and has become the issue for him in the NHL. Is reliably he just can't contribute uh, to the offense at all. So I think yeah, I think you know top four. I don't think I don't think that's going to happen. But he could be a reliable five or six uh, in the NHL for the rest of his career. Whether that's with the Ducks or not, we'll have to see because the Ducks do have a pretty big logjam right now at left uh, at left D. And I don't want to say he isn't a a capable NHL player right now. I think for some teams he could be that, you know, third pairing left defenseman. Uh, I could even for the Ducks, you could argue he could be that guy with the options kind of limited right now with uh, Larson, um, Hura, Delzato, right? So those aren't great options. You could argue he's just as good uh, as those guys as well. Obviously, Mahura a little bit younger than, than most of them, but I don't want. I don't know if I can say yet if he has no long-term future with the Ducks. I, I think he could be a suitable role player with the team. It all depends, though, if he's going to be that guy that's going to stick around for most of the season, or if he's going to bounce up and down uh, between the AHL and the NHL due to injuries. Yeah, and I think he's got some of that flexibility because he can bounce around. So he's he's kind of something that Bob Murray will yeah. probably want to try and hang on just to kind of move things around, whether you know with salary cap issues or it's hey. We had a lot of guys that, you know, are playing at his level. Let's keep him down there, shelter him a little bit, jump up with injuries or something like that. Um, but uh, the, the Ducks have quite a few defensemen like that, in my opinion. So um, one one can be expendable. But uh, I think they probably try and hold on to him at least for the next little while because I think uh, Brunson's probably the one that's going to move out. I can't see us paying him another $4 million for next year. So... We might, you know, and I don't know how long Delzato is going to stick around either. So we're going to be needing a little bit more depth on the five six. And Bob Murray loves having a lot of defensemen anyway. So yeah, I mean, and maybe we eventually see Yanni Hackenpah called back up or Chris Weidman come up at some point this season. So the Ducks do have some options there if they end up moving on from some guys. Uh, one guy whose spot is definitely solidified and nearing a return is Josh Manson. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be huge for the Ducks to have him back uh, in the roster and just simply for consistency on the d- defense pairings to have him back in the lineup and then put, you know, hopefully Gooley back with Fowler and then Lindholm uh, with, with Josh Manson and then you can kind of figure things out for that third pairing. But how important is Josh Manson to this team and h- him coming back from injury right now? Maybe not on an individual standpoint, but just as, you know, a team chemistry and just kind of solidifying those uh, those three pairings on defense. Yeah, I mean, the, the Ducks weren't too terrible uh, early on in the season, and then the, the yearly injury bug kicks in, and it starts with Manson, and he even went to, uh, to Gooley, went to Lindholm, and then we're asking Brunson to play top, top, minutes and it uh, doesn't work out I mean it might work out every now and again but you start seeing more and more problems and you start seeing the you know Larson in there he's trying to do too much and Fowler's you know they're number one but he's he's held up pretty well so the fact that we get 
back are number one and number two as far as how they're going to match up against the other team's top line. That could help. I haven't been particularly thrilled with how Manson has played uh, pretty much at all last year. Uh, the beginning of this year, it's it's been all right, but it's kind of expecting more of that old chemistry with Lindholm to really kind of take effect. But the fact that he can play against the other team's top line and he'll make mistakes here or there, but he's not going to make it at the same rate as when you're asking five and six defensemen to, to shut down top players. So he also brings that physical edge as well. Um, with Richie gone, um, we kind of need that. I, I like having that type of person uh, in certain situations um, when we're kind of getting pushed around in front of the, the net area. Uh, he's usually pretty good uh, at making life miserable for other uh, players that want to try and set up shop there. So I like it. I think it's important for sure. And like you said, to the chemistry, or not necessarily chemistry, but the, um, I won't say consistency, but the the confidence that the lineup's not going to change. So you, you, you know what you got. You know what we got moving in. It's just kind of the fringe pieces that we'll kind of plug around and see if something works in there. But now we're not desperately seeking somebody to, to play along with Lindholm and hopefully play well. And, oh, yeah, you got to play against the top line on the other team. So uh, Mads can shoulder that responsibility much better. Yeah, I mean, he's just a big cog in what the Ducks have uh, on their blue line, especially the right shot depth right now is almost non-existent after Josh Manson. So I think just having him in there for that reason is going to be huge. And then obviously what he brings to the game. He's struggled over the last season and a half, and, and you know, he's – kind of admitted that personally as well so hopefully you know, he can come back in the Ducks can get away from these injuries on the blue line and start building on what we expected to was going to be a pretty reliable top four and you know you look at some of the other guys in there as well Brendan Gooley has kind of had some highs and lows over the last week and a half where he scored his first NHL goal against the Coyotes and then <laughs> In the game we just talked about, uh, he ended up having a giveaway that led to the game-winning goal for Yakov Vrana and the Washington Capitals, and that's kind of been the book on Brendan Gooley's game with the Ducks so far, as he's looked really good in some games, and there's been some costly turnovers in others, and you know, that comes with inexperience and, and age and, and not playing a ton of games in the NHL at this point, but... Yeah. We can we kind of start looking back on that trade now with uh, Braden Tracy in his second full season in the WHL and playing very well, and obviously Brandon Montour returning from injury and playing with the Sabers and and uh, you know he's got two goals and five assists in his last ten games there. So, I mean, what are your thoughts now on this trade? We've we've had you know some time to digest it. There's obviously you know Gooley we haven't had a huge look at yet on long term, but do you think this was still a good move? with the Ducks getting Gooley and Tracy and sending Brandon Montu out the door? Yeah, um, I I do think so because, uh, I mean, Montour's had his injuries, and even though, you know, he's seven points the last ten games, majority of those are assists. Um, I just, I think it's easy to forget how, um, and it's tough because he also played under Carlisle system, so it's a little yeah. bit more difficult to, to kind of say, well, what would he do under uh, Aiken's system? Uh, but I just got to go off of what I used to see, and I just saw a guy that was really uh, very talented offensively, um, a, a gifted speed, you know, had some speed, a gifted skater, but his his decision making and times of when he wanted to make plays or thought plays needed to happen, he wasn't that strong defensively. And I think he kind of said the same thing uh, about Gooley. He's got some of that speed, that skating ability, some offensive upside, but he's going to make some mistakes. I think Gooley will play better with Fowler than Montour would. Um, and 
even you know with Gooley getting his first goal and, and in this game, if it wasn't for Fowler just being a little bit offsides in the Washington, uh, Gooley actually messed up the shot, but ended up setting up uh, Sam Steele, what uh, we thought was going to be a power play goal, yeah. uh, ended up uh, you know not counting because Fowler's lifted his skate at the blue line. So I mean he's he's got chances in there, but yeah, this is the same thing with the younger players. It's the consistency, and that's what it takes to be an NHL player. So you, you go through those seasons early on, and you get a little bit better. You realize what you need to do and you kind of move on from there so Montour is in a different position in his career you know he's he's mid or close to upper 20s at this point so it's a he's more of a professional and more of a, a guy that can be a little bit more consistent so I think with that being Montour is better than Gooley in my opinion you know at least a little bit right now uh and, but I mean if you add in Tracy on top of that I think well all right well now we got another piece, and you add those pieces together. I, I still think it's a good trade, not really a clear-cut winner one way or the other. I think we win down the road, and Buffalo is benefiting right now. Yeah, I think it all, for me, depends on what Brian Tracy becomes. I, I'm, if he comes into the NHL and eventually becomes like a top nine or even a top six player, which is obviously the hope for the Ducks, and I think he does have that potential, then that's a win. Right, you, you yeah. get a player who can contribute possibly forty or fifty points, and then I think you know Montour is a four or five on most teams, and I think Brendan Gooley has that potential to be a four and a five. So you've kind of got a wash there in what they're they're bringing to their respective teams. So it does kind of come down to Braden Tracy, and and you know, this is a long term play for the Ducks. You know, maybe right now the Sabers look like the early winners because you know Brandon Montour is playing very well. He's playing. Uh, lefty actually uh, with uh, wrist aligned on the right right now on the top pairing for the Sabres and like I said two goals and five assists in the last 10 games so things are are trending upwards for him but it's not like Gooley's been awful right like yes he made the mistake in the game against the Capitals but he's been pretty reliable so far and he is younger so it's a long-term play for the Ducks and once they start being more competitive you would assume Gooley would will have some more favorable matchups and uh, a little bit of better players in front of him so that uh, he'll be able to put up some points and, and have a little bit more or a little bit less responsibility defensively so I think once those things start coming uh, we can kind of look at this trade again but yeah it is tough to see Montour uh, doing so well with the Sabres <laughs> right now I mean they haven't played forward for one game too because they're, they're so short-handed up front but uh no. Yeah, tough, tough to see Montour doing well because obviously we wanted to see him, uh, him do well, and obviously the Ducks could use another right shot defenseman this season. Yeah, uh, good for him. He's on Buffalo still. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's still a downside. He moved from uh, Anaheim to Buffalo, so that's uh, yeah. that's a bit tough. But uh, let's let's kind of move into, I guess, a really early look at some potential free agents for next season because the Ducks. Uh, could use some help in, in a couple different areas. Obviously, defense is one of those, but we talked in the last show about uh, some snipers that could be available for the Ducks. Uh, going through you know, some of the top names here, uh, we talked about Taylor Hall, we talked about Mike Hoffman, uh, but even on defense, a guy that was rumored to come to the Ducks, uh, Kevin Shattenkirk's a UFA, a big one in Alex Petrangelo. You've got forwards like Dadanov, uh, Nicholas Backstrom, which I don't think would happen, Uh John Gabriel Pajot, uh, you've got Tori Krug. Like, there's some decent names. Chris Kreider's on there as well. Tyson Berry. Like, there's there's some decent names available, and maybe they're not all going to be available once July first hits. But could you see the Ducks making a splash on any of these guys? Nope. nope. <laughs> Plain and simple. Uh, if they cost money, then uh, Bargain Bob is going to look elsewhere. Um, <clears throat> I mean. 
it would be nice. It would be good. Um, but they're obviously they're going to take on um, some of that uh, Corey Perry um, hit on the cap space. So where they've got a little bit of flexibility now, they're going to lose. I think uh, I think it goes up another three million compared to what they're doing right now. So they yeah. they lose out a little bit next year, and I think they're still. Bob Murray still kind of lets give the the kids more of a chance to kind of see where it goes. Obviously, the rest of the season will kind of dictate where they see players progressing, and um, they're gonna they're gonna make sure that there's at least a competitive team on the ice. Uh, but they're they're gonna be a little bit more handcuffed, and you know why why go out and spend a whole bunch more money if if we're not necessarily close enough to do that, which. In my opinion, makes sense. It's not fun to hear. Uh, if uh, you know you guys are kind of on the fringe, you really like that guy to really kind of push us over the edge. But Ducks fans have been waiting for that forever. Even at trade deadlines, they always wait for that one extra little guy that could really kind of bring everything together. It just doesn't happen. So unless there's someone that's willing to be at a deal, about the only thing I'd say is if the defenseman, especially right-handed shot defenseman, becomes available, then we might see you know the, the coin purse open up a little bit to see if we can't uh, maybe get one over here because i know bob murray was trying all off season uh to get one of those guys and it just never was uh something that ended up happening no no defenseman seems to want to play here right now so um that's about it but i don't think on the forward side they're going to do much i think they're still willing to give the the ducks players the young ones a little bit more opportunity yeah, I think if the Ducks were ever going to do it, I think in terms of right shot defensemen, this is probably the year to do it. Whether Alex Petrangelo actually makes it to you uh, to July first, I doubt it. I doubt um, it too. But that that's the top name. We talked about Kevin Shattenkirk and whether he would even want to come and play here or not. That was already kind of the, the question before and why he didn't. Now he's on. He's on. Who's he on now? Tampa. Yeah, he's on Tampa, but he's a. Uh, oh, we only did one year. We offered him a two-year, and he only yeah, did one. So he's. An I, I thought he was still good to go. Yeah. So, so there, yeah, there was there was an article out too, wasn't there, where yeah. he said like it was hard to say no to Anaheim's offer. Uh, I I didn't read the the article, but that was kind of. Yeah, just specifically, he just wanted to win, right? He's thirty-one. Yeah. Tampa obviously was at the time, the <laughs> what you thought would be the best place to go and win, right? So for sure. Yeah, so, yeah, if, if he doesn't win, then uh, we're still offering two. I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it, it's tough. But, I mean, there's him. There's Petrangelo. There's Tyson Berry. Like, those are really big names when it comes to right-shot defensemen. And even when you go down the list, a couple former Ducks, and Sammy Votnin is an unrestricted free agent. If the Ducks wanted to go kind of back down that well, he's having a decent season. <laughs> that would make sense. Yeah, <laughs> Bob and, uh, Murray. Bob Murray sense. Yeah, like, like pennies, cents, not. Uh, and well, what's he making? Vatnin's making under five right now, so that might be a bit of a stretch to say the Ducks would go get him, especially if guys like Barry and uh, Petrangelo go off the board quick. It immediately becomes Sammy Vatnin is now the second best option there, where you've got Shattenkirk, Vatnin, and then sort of another former Duck and Justin Schultz as uh, the, your top three options. That's where the silly money starts getting thrown around on players like Sammy Vatnin. If teams are going to offer him over $5 million, I think you, you kind of stay away from that. But there are options, right? I mean, the Ducks right now... Kind of. <laughs> yeah, unless they go out and draft a, a right-shot defenseman in the top half of this draft, the only one available is Jamie Drysdale, there's nobody in the pipeline when it comes to right-shot defensemen. There's only two other ways to get that, and that's that free agency or in a trade. And you know, obviously you don't want to overpay, especially for guys who are 28, 29 years old, and, and Schultz and, and Sammy Votnin and, and Shattenkirk's 31. 
Uh, but if you're thinking you're going to win in the next couple seasons, maybe you have to, that's the only way you go out and get one of these guys, right? And whether it's now or, or later down the road, you've, you've kind of got to make that decision. Yeah, and out of, you know, really, I, I don't think Colorado's going to want to get rid of Tyson Berry. Um, and at the same time, I don't think Tyson Berry is going to want to leave what Colorado is doing. Um, you know, rumor has it a little bit right now is that Taylor Hall is a possible destination. Tyson for, Berry's uh, in Toronto, though. Was it Toronto? He got traded oh, that's right. He went for Kadri. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, never mind. Either Sorry. way, it's you can make the same argument, right? Yeah. yeah. Toronto's a little bit of a, an S show right now. I mean, at least Colorado's got their stuff together. Yeah, it depends if he wants to, to play there. I mean, I you know, looking at it that way, um, that's a possibility that they might. I don't know if Toronto want to trade him. Because there's not much that Toronto has on defense that they they can boast to be proud of. At least Tyson Berry's got a name and uh, you know somewhat of an ability. But um, you know if they're they're not happy with it, that's about the only way. And then yeah, if he's he's like, oh this this isn't gonna this isn't gonna be fun. Uh, I don't want to be here anymore, and I'll go somewhere else. But even then, I think he's gonna have a high asking price. Like you said, there's if you're a right-handed shot defenseman, you know just just create a little bit of extra space in that bank account because people are going to overpay and, and uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't tough. know. I don't Yeah. Bob Murray never kind of tips his hand to what he's going to do. And, and generally he, in, in free agency, he doesn't do much. And it's, it's usually the depth signings that uh, you, you could see come in. I mean, you could argue that there's possible ones you could get, but I would assume if Derek Grant continues to have a decent season, the Ducks would likely bring him back. So that kind of becomes your depth signing there. And, you know, there are, again, former Ducks uh, in, in free agency this year, Pat Maroon, if you wanted to bring him back as well, or Corey Perry, which I know is way out there. He's not going to come back, but he is an unrestricted free agent. And and, and some interesting names like, you know, Alex Gilchenyuk is now on the trade block for the Pittsburgh Penguins because he's an unrestricted free agent this year. Uh, one of the younger names uh, when it comes to the you know the top 30 or so uh, free agents available. He's only 26 and obviously a former third overall pick. That right there seems like a Bob Murray move for me. Is you, you kind of buy low on Alex Galchenyuk and you, you hope that you can put him in your system and, and then he does well. Yeah. I mean, that that is what he would do. Um, yeah, once once again... I, I really don't know what he's doing because he hasn't come out and really talked much. Um, and so when when he when he doesn't talk much, my theory is that he's just going to come out uh, toward more towards the end of the season and and go like, listen, we we did what we thought we were going to do. We got some experience. We're going to build on that. We're going to kind of roll it into next season. And that's that's going to be kind of the message. If if he was really upset with how the you know or they were below expectations. Then he would be like, "Listen, guys, got to like he did last year. Guys, got to step up, and they got to if people want to be here, you know, we'll, we'll you better start playing because we'll find other people to to be here, and you won't find yourself here very long." I'm not hearing that this year, so I think he's yeah. it's much more of a kind of wait and see, and it's a kind of a makeshift rebuild, but a transition this year. Possibly he's willing to give it a shot next year, but I know he's always on the lookout for a defenseman, always on the lookout for a right shot defenseman, but. That's what he wants, and he doesn't want to get rid of the money. So he wants they, they kind of conflict with each other. So he's got to find one that is low in cost and um, is also going to be worth the effort of going out and get. So I don't know. I, I feel Shattenkirk would probably be the one that we come back if, if that relationship hasn't soured because he just said, no, I'd rather go 
for less heat term yeah. somewhere else. So, yeah, I, I can see it. It'll be interesting. It always is interesting what Bob Murray is going to do in free agency, and, and generally, it, it's mo- mostly nothing that yeah. he does. So we're all we've all been waiting for a very long time for him to make some kind of big splash in free agency. But at the same time, you also don't want to just throw ridiculous money around on players who aren't worth it and. That's generally what happens. There's very few bargains that are made on July 1st and in the days after that. So, and, and most of the time, Bob Murray kind of finds it right when we're, we're talking about a, a player like Derek Grant and even Carter Rowney to some extent as well, and and how well that they've played for the Ducks and, and kind of unexpectedly played well. So, I you know he gets those bargains that become valuable depth pieces, but it's never swing for the fences on Mike Hoffman or Alex Petrangelo or, or whatever mm-hmm. because you're looking at guys who are 30, 30-plus, 30 and they're going to want five, six, seven years, and down the road that's going to hurt you as a team. He'd rather throw those uh, those deals out to guys like uh, Ryan Kessler or Kevin Bieksa instead. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> Back in his heyday when uh, Wild, uh, that's, Wild that's Bob was point. running around. <laughs> it's never signings, it's extensions that, uh, that hurt the Ducks. But uh, on the same topic, sort of, uh, we talked about the draft a bit. And kind of just uh, an overall look at what the Ducks could use most this upcoming draft. You know, there's a potential they get another top 10 pick. And uh, this is one of the deepest drafts, at least in the top half, uh, that we've seen in a long time. I've got a few player profiles that some of these players fit in. I want to kind of rank. I want you to kind of rank what you think the Ducks need most. And I'll, I'll, I'll roll them by you here. Um, there's a couple versatile wingers with speed who are capable in their own in all three zones. So some good two-way wingers who can contribute offensively, but maybe that offensive ceiling isn't as high as others. There's a couple reliable two-way centers with a high floor, so very close to making to the NHL, but uh, maybe a lower ceiling in comparison to some of the other prospects in the draft. There's a few lethal goal-scoring wingers, but defense and skating are kind of lackluster in comparison to their compatriots in the draft. There's one point-producing right-shot defenseman, but he's only 5'11", so his, if size becomes an issue there. And there's a potential one number one goaltender, but he's Russian, and we know by <laughs> So if you're the Ducks, out of those, I think I had five categories there. Yeah. Uh, what is their biggest need? What would you rank as they need the most or could use the most from this upcoming draft? I think uh, with uh, Zagris coming in... Um, that the the center depth isn't nearly as uh, as bad as it was before. When you start talking uh, a Zagres, a Henrique, um, even Grant can kind of move around. I'm looking like down the road a couple of seasons here when Getzloff maybe isn't playing anymore or you know has taken a, a much more diminished role. Um, so I think at center we're good for right now. Um, it'd be nice to have you know, goal scoring wingers. But like you said, there's it, the ceiling's not super high on any of that. So I got to almost go back to, to defense. Um, there's just not a lot in the pipeline. Um, that's really going to kind of crack through. Um, so whether they're able to move a, a Larson out or a piece out, try and get, you know, uh, even a smaller type defenseman doesn't bother me anymore, you know, or as much anymore. The size of a defenseman is, you know, because you can be shorter in stature but be able to skate and produce offense. And if you can kind of do that, then that's always a good thing to have too. It's not exactly what we're looking for, but I feel what was once a really deep defensive um, farm system there's not much in that pipeline. I think we're good kind of everywhere else for the most part. And usually our wingers are 
deep in the draft is when we get wingers that seem to kind of come out of the woodwork and kind of happen. And every now and again, we find, you know, other players that we just kind of pick off of other teams and give them a shot and it tends to work out. So I think, um, you know, there's no one that's uh, going to be overly great that it, it overshadows our need to kind of restock the farm on defense. Yeah. My thought. I, I think so. Um, I wish the Ducks had two first-round picks this year like they did last year. It, I mean, obviously, two first-round picks in the top ten this year would be be amazing, but it's tough to kind of work that. You would, If you're the Ducks right now, you'd be moving off a key piece to go and try and get that, uh, that top ten pick and then also getting lucky that maybe that team you traded with falls out of you know the playoff contention and, and it's not top ten protected. There's, there's too many working pieces to say the Ducks could get another top ten pick this year. But it would be nice to see them pick something else up because there is only one defenseman projected to go in that top 10. Um, he's exactly what the Ducks need and a point-producing defenseman uh, who can put up potentially 50 or 60 points in the NHL if everything goes right. So if you can get that guy, go and get him. But they don't have that kind of safety net like they did last year where if he goes off the board before you have a chance to get him, you don't have that second first-round pick, so maybe they reach on a defenseman there. We'll, we'll have to see where they go. I, I would put that kind of same with you. I, I think if he's available there, what's the biggest need for the Ducks this year? You could argue maybe it's goal scoring, but they do have some, some young prospects coming up and guys even in the lineup like Jones and Terry and, and Comtois that we think could eventually contribute to the offense. There is no right-shot defenseman in this pipeline that really has a legitimate shot of becoming a top-four defenseman. So if you can get a player like Jamie Drysdale in the, in the draft, I think you have to go for him. Um, if you had to pick a second one with a le- either a lethal goal-scoring winger, reliable two-way center, a kind of three-zone winger, or a potential number one goaltender, if that defenseman's off the board, where, where do you go? Goal scoring. We need we need a lethal goal scorer. We need some some sort of threat. Uh, Kasha this year is. Chances are kind of there, you know. Um, Max Jones, he's kind of one on the wing. Terry, kind of on the wing, but it's just there's there's not much lethal outside, uh, you know. At, at least this season, other than Silverberg, uh, on the wings, you know. Richie's had a decent season, but to have that lethal goal scoring, it's something we've we've always been kind of searching for the last few years, anyways. It's just we need a goal. Who's going to go get it? And usually, it's you know, it's it's Getzloff or nobody here or you know the occasional guy here or there and this year it seems more like the fourth line seems to be the one that are uh, jumping up and putting up goals so that would be my second one because like i said i think we're a little bit better on center position at least you know for the next couple of seasons that it's you know we can maybe push it off another draft um goaltending we're we're solid there even uh once ryan miller retires we we got good backups and that pipeline's good and it's john gibson's crease for the next half a decade to decade so um you know we can wait on those a little bit i think uh, goal scoring is a little bit more important um and you know it's nice to have good wingers that can play defensively and well responsibly between all three zones but quite honestly i'm willing to give up some of that responsibility if we can start putting the puck in the net yeah, and you could argue the Ducks already have those types yeah. of wingers in their system, in, in Silverberg and in Raquel, um, and even you know I was going to say to some extent Nick Ritchie, but in, in the sense how he drives play and, and can contribute in all three zones. So they they do have those players, but they don't have that 
Well, it's, well, I guess the last guy they drafted who was that potential 30-goal threat was probably Bobby Ryan, right? Where yeah. coming out of the draft, you, you had him projected as a 30-plus goal scorer. Yeah. In the NHL, the Ducks have, have never drafted anybody since then that had those projections right out of the draft. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I would agree with that too. And, and those, I think, are, are no secret that those are the Ducks' two biggest needs right now is a, a player who could potentially score 30-plus every year. Uh, and, and a good point-producing defenseman, whether it's right or left, obviously with the way the defense makeup is right now, you would prefer it to be right. So they, they've got some options. There's about you know three or four players if they fall within the top ten that they that they could uh, kind of target and go after this year. And obviously they got the playmaking center last year in, in Trevor Zegras. Whether you know he sticks at center or goes to the wing, I think that's going to be big for the Ducks. The, you know, the, the hope is that he stays at center, but. Either way, I think you know moving into this year, and obviously we'll cover the draft, uh, obviously closer to to June. But uh, there's some good options for the Ducks, and you know there's still that potential. Obviously, we wanted to make the playoffs, but there still is that chance that they get another top ten pick this year. And I think either scenario isn't bad. I mean, they could they use another top ten pick? Yes. Do we want them to make the playoffs and make some significant improvements and, and kind of give those that experience for the younger players in the team? Obviously. So I, yeah. I think you know those are those are two situations that if they happen um it's not bad i think that obviously the, the worst one is the ducks just missing the playoffs and uh, getting it outside the top 10 pick and and kind of missing out on some of these players while also having that disappointment of just missing out on the playoffs yeah i'm just kind of a thought here i'm thinking that uh if if the ducks aren't going to make the playoffs i think kosh is probably on the way out i mean he was the one kind of rumored for the justin falk trade with carolina um Right now, I think his stock's kind of down just because the pucks aren't going in. But, you know, a lot of teams now look at uh, those uh, fancy stats and uh, how good he is at driving the play. That, uh, you know, that that might be something where we could actually get a trade for a decent defenseman as well, yeah. too. So that, that'll be interesting kind of moving forward as long as he stays healthy and stops getting blown up. Could be a potential deadline piece uh, for yeah. the Ducks. And and what you know, a surprising one in the sense that uh, you know they might not be in an obvious position to be sellers at the deadline. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, yeah. Cash's name isn't one you would expect to be on the trade block. But if the Ducks can go out and get uh, a player they need from him, we've seen Bob Murray make those those deals in the past. I, I don't think we expected Brandon Montour to be traded when he ended up getting traded. There was always yeah. a possibility, but. You know, he was the guy that ended up making way, and that was a bit surprising. So I think Andre Kasha could kind of be in that same sense. Obviously, if he stays healthy until that point, mm-hmm. there's always questions about his, his health. Uh, let's finish off the show with a quick prediction for today's game, which is going to mean nothing when most of you guys listen to this show. But, uh, <laughs> Just to Ducks, see if we're right. <laughs> yeah. The Ducks are taking on the Winnipeg Jets in, what, a little bit less than – or almost exactly three hours three from hours. now. Uh, Jets are seven two and one in their last ten games. Ducks are three five and two. So the Jets have been kind of turning it on as of late. They've been getting some outstanding goaltending from Connor Hellebuck, who I believe is starting today as well. What are what are your projections? This is in Winnipeg too. So yeah, so like you said, they they played kind of a emotional, fired up game on Friday. Uh, didn't win, uh, but you know it was against uh, the the best team in their division, um, in uh, the Metro Division. And uh, yeah, Winnipeg's playing great. The four one and one. Uh, they I think they just lost their last game in overtime to Dallas, but they beat them pretty bad the game before. Uh, so I'm last time on uh, Tuesday, three two overtime loss on Thursday. And these guys just played, you know, like a week or two ago, and uh, you know the Ducks were shut out three nothing. So 
Pat, Pat, Pat would have a much different view on how the Ducks are going to do against Winnipeg. Uh, but that's kind of, you know, uh, this one kind of go either way for me. I think we do, a, a, we've at least in, you know, past history done pretty well in Winnipeg. But that's a lot of travel. That's that's a Friday night game, an early game on Sunday, and then a travel day in between there. Uh, we don't have, <clears throat> sorry, we don't have Richie and Manson still not going to be in this game. So um, we're still a little depleted and shorthanded uh, in that respect. So it's hard to go against what Winnipeg's doing. They're in a playoff spot. We're well, second to last. <laughs> we're just ahead of uh, the Kings in our division. Or, sorry, in our conference. So I, I, I kind of have to give this one to Winnipeg. They're flying high, and you know, Ducks are maybe just looking forward to getting to Detroit and uh, whipping on them, hopefully, and then getting back home. Yeah, well, I, I I thought they played Detroit too, but they actually play the Wild on Tuesday. Oh, it's the uh, Wild. Okay, it's the Jets will right. play Detroit. Uh, oh, in their next that's game. So the Ducks have the Jets today, Wild on Tuesday, Kings Thursday, two hot Rangers teams on Saturday. Yeah, yeah the Wild are, the Wild have been playing a lot better. We got on them hard and and on Bruce Boudreau. We I think way back early in the season we speculated if Bruce Boudreau would be fired. And uh, his job has been saved for now with the, the turnaround that the Wild have made. Uh, and they're doing it without Devin Dubnik. It's it's uh, Alex Daylock and Capo Kakin in, in net for, for the Wild right now that are getting things done for them. But uh, as for today's game, I expect, even though it was a loss on Friday, uh, a little bit of a motiv- motivation built from that game and, and playing you know, a tight game against one of the best teams in the league. And you they have to think, you know, if we don't have that turnover, there's a chance we win this game. You know, that yeah. uh, that's one of those things that it just happens in hockey and it's unfortunate, but that's why they lost that game. So I think they'll, they'll have a bit of motivation coming into to this early game uh, against the Jets, but it is tough, you know, playing yeah. a what for them would be an, a noon game on, on normally is it's a 3 p.m. start uh, my time, 2 p.m. start in Winnipeg, I believe. So it's uh, the, the early games have never been uh, never been good for the Ducks. So we'll have to see how they do it. And playing in Winnipeg is always tough. It's always, you know, it's one of the hardest buildings in the league to go into. Uh, one of the hardest cities in the league to visit yeah. because of how cold <laughs> it is there. It's, it is way up there. It is way north. Yeah. So I can't believe we'll Brett lives there. Yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, I'm sure Brett will get honest about that because he uh, <laughs> he lives in Winnipeg and, and I live in Toronto. That's that's the running. Yeah, that's the you only two live in cities in Canada, for, right? Well. If you don't live in Toronto, you live in Winnipeg, and that's it. Yeah, or just outside of Montreal. <laughs> um, anyway, that's it. We'll be back. What? What is there a game one? I just literally just looking at the schedule here. Yeah, because uh, we play Tuesday against Minnesota, so, so we'll Wednesday. likely be back Wednesday. Yeah. Yep. We should, well, we should, we have to be back Wednesday because this game's on Tuesday and Thursday. So yeah. we'll be back Wednesday. Uh, hopefully, uh, we'll have some some good news to talk about. The Ducks rattle off some wins in Winnipeg and Minnesota. Get things back on track here. Uh, oh, we had one question in the chat before we before we run off. Bulldogs nineteen ninety two said, uh, "What's your favorite Christmas movie?" Oh. Mine's got mine's Bad Santa. Um, that's just funny to me because I like comedies. Uh, but if I was going like, oh geez, there's that's hard. I like I like Christmas. You go first. I'll think about it. Um, I like I like National Lampoon Christmas Vacation. That's, that's a great one. That's a good one. Yeah, there's that one, and this is gonna sound really bad, but I like the uh, Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> It's not bad. It's not a bad one. <laughs> well, it is with your 35-year-old grown man. He's still really <laughs> like uh, Kermit, and he starts singing with his All right. um, well, tiny tits. <laughs> to be fair, most Christmas movies, yeah. if you say it's your favorite movie, are going to look bad because most of them are geared for kids anyway. So. Yeah, that's why I like Bad Santa. And also, yeah, even 
Uh, I think, uh, like you said, National Lampoon's uh, Christmas Vacation. That kind of totes that that lie between it's yeah. it's funny for adults, but it's also good for kids and still got all the feels. So Shane said he d- he doubts it, but he'll pretend to see us on Wednesday because of our scheduling has been. <laughs> been <inconsistent. laughs> we have to, yeah. Shane. We there's have an to ask, be there's here. an asterisk every time we say it. next next podcast yeah. will be. <laughs> yeah, we have to be here for Wednesday because it's literally the only time we can record with games on Tuesday and Thursday. And yep. then I guess that would make the second show of the week on Sunday because the Ducks do play Saturday against the Rangers. So we actually have a nice framework of two shows this week being on Wednesday. When, when do the Packers play and we'll make sure that we have yeah, a podcast gotta, at that time. Yeah, Shane, don't worry. We'll make sure our <laughs> podcasts are scheduled on every day the Packers play. So uh, I already got it in the back of my mind that uh, the next show will be whenever the Packers play. So we've got All that right. uh, we got that set up and ready Checked to go. Checked off. <laughs> All right. All right, guys. We'll see you on Wednesday and uh, hopefully it'll be the three of us. Hopefully the three yes. of us will be back on the show. That'd be nice. You guys haven't That'll seen Pat good. in a bit, so Hopefully uh, he'll be back. Anyway, we'll talk to you guys soon. Take care.